WFAE's David Borex has the story. Tariq Bakari and Larkin Eggleston call their podcast R&D in the QC. Eggleston says they hope to reach people who may not pay attention to the council. Eggleston is 35 and a Democrat. Bakari is a 37-year-old Republican. Despite their political differences, they bonded on the campaign trail in part over their beards, says Bakari. The beards themselves are what truly united us in the beginning. They hope to be an example of how to debate productively across the political divide. Episode 72, we talk about our affordable housing vote, the Trump resolution, and convention discussions. Episode 72, we're back. Larkin, welcome to the show. What did we talk about today? Uh, well, we had a doozy of a day, a couple of big topics. And, um, and, you know, after this, we've got four four Mondays in a row without a council meeting. So Thank we'll, we'll also, God. Well, it's good timing for a multitude of reasons. Um, one of which is now I think we have a firsthand view of why they don't schedule council meetings uh, for a bulk of the time that we're in the throes of campaign season because uh, people's comments on things seem to get a bit longer and annoying as, a lot more annoying as the campaigns come up and, and topics that I've never heard people talk about before. It's a good thing. Um, this week wasn't like two weeks ago before filing. Cause I may have made a different decision to be totally honest. Um, after tonight, there might be some people that would have appreciated that. Yeah, well maybe, <laughs> but that's because I'm a racist. Um, <laughs> but we did have two topics that everyone likes to talk about tonight, affordable housing and Donald Trump. Um, and then once we talk about those, we'll head on to our, our quote-unquote summer break, although what it really just means is that it's replaced by multiple candidate forums every day for two months, and so it's not much of a break at all. We will have to figure out at some point, we can't go a month without a podcast, so we will have to figure out in the interim, uh, maybe we can get a couple of guest interviews or get a live show somewhere, yeah. but uh, we can't leave folks hanging for a month. There will no, be things agreed. going on, just not council I meetings. just need a solid one to two weeks just away from all this man you, just know, like, you know you're gonna be back in here tomorrow i won't <laughs> i will not i won't be back in here for at least a week because i need to be away from this place um so first and and it's sad that and actually there was there was a couple things on our agenda tonight that definitely will not be in the paper tomorrow one was we approved the new fire station down mm. on clanton road um it's an area where we saw we had a gap in coverage right off of I-77. Um, we ended up delaying the vote on a future police station tonight. Uh, I talked to the manager. He said that they wanted to look at some more. Uh, they want to dig a little more into the business inclusion aspect of that contract. Um, but we'll be approving prob- presumably in August when we have our next council meeting, a new police station. So, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that um, I know we all could get excited about making progress on things like public safety. Um, but as usual, the, not, not much in the way of headlines as far as the new fire station, I'm guessing not going to be on the front page. If, if it on any page at all tomorrow, yeah, it won't be, uh, what will be in the paper tomorrow. If, um, if, if there's, uh, I think it's already out. Well, no, what I was actually going to say, the housing thing. Yeah. That's and, what I mean, okay. I think they so, already released a housing um, uh, article on it. So that is big enough. And, and I, I was really pleased with, the number of folks who were there to speak on the affordable housing vote that we took tonight. This was on our 4% deals. 
um, without getting into the weeds of what that means, they're the ones that are not as competitive. You've probably heard us talk about the 9% tax deals that generally we're only going to get two, three, maybe four of those a year in the Charlotte area. Uh, we always fund all of those. And the 4% deals are not as competitive. Uh, there's opportunity for more of them, but we've created some new ways to score those and grade those and decide which ones to put funding behind. Tonight we advanced eight of those uh, and then one other affordable project through a different funding mechanism. So we approved nine affordable housing projects tonight. Big chunk of um, city-owned land, dollars from the Housing Trust Fund, dollars from LISC, and um, what was the number? 900 and it's like 950 or units 50, or yeah. something of affordable housing. And I was really glad to see the number of people that came out. And and not unexpectedly, there were folks who said, hey, I think we can continue to improve this process. Uh, but by and large, people were there to support it and say, we want to see you move these forward. It was well, a yeah, unanimous I, I think vote. I, I, I'm, I think what we accomplished um, was a major step in the right direction. I think we're still – um, we're still missing the mark in a couple other areas uh, as a comprehensive uh, plan to, to, to really making a material dent in this affordable housing and upward mobility challenge we have. But I think this was a huge step in the right direction, cutting that cost in half uh, through these partnerships and all this work. This was a lot of different efforts, a long time coming. But I will say one thing. I think those community members are correct in that a lot of promises were made of how the the community would be engaged in a part of the process and they weren't necessarily followed through to the level that they want uh, and deserve. So I'm not saying that, um, that, you know, I'm throwing that at the, at the feet of staff and saying staff screwed up or LISC or whatever, like we're the elected officials. If we have time for all this other crap we do, we sure have time to take the information that's been handed to us and go sit down with these folks and be their conduit until we can figure out how to create a process. But we're too busy with other things. Well, and even some of the people who disagree with the process to get to these recommendations or, or just said it, it needs to be, uh, we need to continue to improve it. Uh, by and large, everybody said, that said, I think these are the right projects. I they think were, people were being a little overly professional and polite, masking a little of the deeper frustrations they had yeah, but a lot about of the how emails, they've just been cold-shouldered. A lot of the emails said, we think these are the right projects, but we want to get the process right because next time we might not feel that way. So, I mean... Ultimately, I think we got a good result. Um, no, I, I, again, the result under, was great. To this underscore was a great your result. point, when you said half the cost, that's we went from ballpark thirty thousand dollars a unit to now fifteen thousand dollars a unit in terms of our housing trust fund investment to get these units deployed. Um, that is a huge, huge difference, and um, so that was a big win tonight. It probably will not be the lead story tomorrow, but hopefully it will be a story tomorrow because uh, that's what most of us campaigned on. And so as far as, um, you know, I, when, as we're all running for reelection, you know, I've, I've said to people, look, if you go back and you look at what I ran on or, or any of us ran on, that's how I think that I, I hope not to say it's the only way you're going to judge somebody, but that should be the first thing that you judge someone on. It's you said you were going to do X, Y, and Z. Tell me what you've done on those fronts. Yeah. And for, seven or eight of us on on the campaign trail in 2017 x was affordable housing that was the number one thing that most of us talked about and there have been material differences in the way that we've executed on that front on this council uh, compared to previous councils and so um you know if that's why people sent us here i think that that we're getting the job done are we you know, is it mission accomplished? Absolutely not. But are we improving the way that these things are done? And are we making a bigger dent in the problem than we had been previously? Absolutely. Yes. So 
um, that was that was my favorite thing tonight was that we approved that unanimously and um, and that we had so many people here in the, in the audience to support it. Um, the other two big things, we'll take them piece by piece. In the wake of um, the Greenville rally last week, which you and I and I think every person on – not I think, I know every person on council um, was offended by the comments that were made with, with the tweet and um, the center back chant at the Greenville rally that Donald Trump held – people obviously have different nuanced ways that they they viewed that but i think everyone agreed it was inappropriate um there were renewed calls on the city to a denounce the behavior of the president which is the second thing we'll get to but b people said you know what if there was a time to change our mind about this convention the, the republican national convention the time is now um so we had the attorney brief us and then brief the public on is that is that a thing? Is that something that the city could do? And I think he was he was very clear. Everybody understood that there would be immense financial penalties for withdrawing from the contract. But there were some people who who said, you know what? I think regardless of what that number is, it's worth it. And and there were certainly obviously but he, people here's, who disagreed. Here's what kind of blows my mind about that. There's so many parts of this that blow my mind. Um, so a group of people. In a in a in a uh, rally, not in Charlotte, but in North Carolina, start saying reprehensible words. Send her back, of which many, including myself, have come out publicly and said that is not who we are in this country. That is not acceptable, um, and in the strongest terms, condemning it, including the president. One day later. Although coming out and saying although it, he didn't retract his whatever I'm just saying <laughs> it happened the place, but it, yeah I mean well if you love him or hate him you know you're gonna you're gonna interpret how that look he was looking on in the crowd was or how quickly or how long it took him to get to say the 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 rebuttal the bottom line is he condemned it as well so but that and is alone is enough for us to say well you know what we've learned something new or something's changed from before and now we've got to breach this contract that will put Charlotte taxpayers in undefined exposure levels because, because that happened. Am I, am I missing something there? You know, it, it was, I will say that it was, it definitely resonated with people differently than other offensive things that the president has said. And the way that I know he that he didn't say that. Well, the, tweet, the, cl- the, tweet, the crowd said it, the tweet had the same implication and the tweet Almost no, it under- did. No, it did not. It did the tweet and what he said, which I don't know. I don't know how carefully he crafts anything that comes out Nothing. of his mouth, right? Or fingers, was but- if you don't, if you hate this country as much as you seem to, you are free to leave. That is a big, big. Now, do I do I think that's even the best thing for someone to say? No, but that is a far stretch from saying send her back. That is that is like not even on the same. But if you don't think plateau. That- even even if I entertain that argument, if you don't think that his tweet led to the chant, if you don't think there was any connection there, then we'll have to agree to disagree. I mean, the sentiment might have been stronger in the chant, but it, it one led to the other. And so then, would you have had as not you? But here's would here's others have had as big of a problem if in the, it, let's say that his tweet led to the chant? That chant happened. Would would people have had a problem if he would have held up his hand, McCain-esque, and said, no, 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 this is America. 
We operate under the Constitution, and he started a new chant that said, vote her out. Would I you think, have had a problem with that? I think that would have been the most remarkable thing I'd ever seen from Donald Trump. And I think that while I'm not going to say people would have applauded him because, you know, people, again, to your point, he is very binary. I think people would have been pleasantly stunned. I would have been pleasantly stunned. And in fact, in all of the media outlets that have, have called all of us over the last week about this, that was the thing I kept referencing. I kept saying what Republicans should aspire to in their leaders is what we saw from John McCain in the 2000, I guess it was seven, uh, or I don't know if it's 2007 or 2008, but leading into the election when a lady made claims about president Obama and he said, no man, that's not correct. You know, president Obama and I disagree on a lot of things, uh, but he's a good man and he loves this country. If he, if Donald Trump would have said something like that, I think half the country would have fainted. That is what he should have done. And so then for him to say, well, I tried to speak fast to make it stop. Well, no, you didn't. And I mean, I did in a small degree appreciate that he tried to distance himself the next day because clearly someone in his circle said, Mr. President, this has crossed the line. We cannot let that seem like something that you're co-signing on. But then he kind of retracted his separation a day later. So as usual, he's all over the place. The reason that I know that it felt different for people is because we've heard from a good number of people who never liked the idea of this convention and they've been very vocal about it. Um, but we know who those folks are. I heard from new people uh, in the wake of the tweet and the chant last week who I had not heard from. And in fact, from some, uh, Democrats who had said, Hey, I can't stand the president either, but I think y'all did the right thing in, um, in allowing the convention to come to Charlotte. <laughs> so some of the people who were saying, that you know they they supported the convention even though they don't support the president some of them said i'm starting to have second thoughts and this makes me reconsider and so it did resonate to to certain people in a way that other things had not um so you know exactly why that was for each person you, you can't see, see. Uh, look, here's a look, i'm i'm being uh, bombarded uh, another thanks to my colleagues for doing this completely irrelevant um act that is now um uh, one has accomplished nothing. One, probably two will have unintended consequences. And three, now I'm being bombarded as a racist for having a dissenting opinion. Here's a new one. Republican Councilman Tark Scott McCart gave a dissent speech tonight that will probably launch his career on the national stage and definitely give cover to white supremacists for at least a generation. I mean, that's like, this is the kind of ridiculous shit I'm talking about. Like, I'm not allowed to simply say in the beginning, which is what everyone was pleading. To, to sit there and condemn speech like send her back or condemn and oppose racist speech or xenophobic speech or bigoted speech, which I did in the strongest terms I could, but then say, but this is not what this, what this, uh, uh, what is it? What the hell was it? Proclamation is about. If it was about all condemning all speech well there would be a lot longer of a list of everything if we're going to get in the business of condemning everything from national state and local level that is that kind of speech well guess what we're going to need to do a lot more homework than one weekend because this stuff gets said all over the place i don't think that's what the city of charlotte voters put us in to do and if we're going to do it halfway and only and only say some things well guess what that's called partisan politics. That's called entering and taking a political v angle in a presidential race. And I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I don't have any respect for that. And if you're going to turn around and call me a racist and a bigot because 
I'm going to just call out an honesty and a truth in what's going on right now. Well, then some people in the city need to look internal. So I thought the first part of your comments and we've merged streams now. So there was a, I was going to talk about the convention first. And actually, I think we can put a bow on that pretty quickly. Done. The, the, Not getting out of it. Dumb idea well, to even bring and, it up. And the important part of that is I, I, I think I finished off saying that there were people who said no matter what the cost, it's worth it. Um, the, what the attorney said is if you were to try to break this contract, what would, in his opinion, what is likely to happen is you would face many of the consequences that we all know we would face for breaking the contract. Um and that some people say that's a cost we're willing to bear and we would still have to execute the contract. So there's a thing in there. What was it called? Specific performance. He said the specific performance clause that essentially the court could mandate that the city fulfill the contract and host the convention despite our trying to break the contract. So we'd face all the financial penalties and the blowback um, from different levels of government that we all understood we'd face. And then we'd still be hosting the convention. So even some of the staunchest opponents of the convention uh, in the in the wake of what um, Patrick Baker, our city attorney, said tonight were like, that, that ship has sailed. Um, so the comments that you're referring to and that you're getting grief online for... From a very small yeah, number of very loud, annoying people. Anybody that listens to our podcast is probably aware that, um, that Councilmember Harlow had crafted and talk to council members all weekend and tweaking a proclamation that essentially called out um, the racist statements and bigoted statements of the president said we condemn those. And then it stated some of the things that we hold up as Charlotte's values. Um, it passed nine two with, but it said, it said we as a city oppose all forms of racist and xenophobic speech. Well, if it's true, then why did why did that why did he, he spend all weekend this immense amount of time only doing one partisan side of that hate speech that exists because certainly that isn't the only example or am i wrong is that the only example and we republicans need to listen more to all our democrats on how we should shape our own party because they're perfect on the other side i think that you started off on the right foot because you said look you you were clear that um, that you were going to vote against it, but you said I don't want anyone to mistake that for me not condemning racism. So I thought you started off right there. Um, in some of what you said about we've got more important work we should be doing, I think a lot of people agreed. Um, yeah, compared to all this immense time that was wasted, that literally will amount to no potential good and potentially some bad unintended consequences. I think the part where you lost people. Um, not that it, it was slightly clever comparison, but I think that there, there are some serious differences that you lost people on comparing when someone says someone is a racist to the witch hunt. What I will say is it was a clever comparison because there are people who recklessly use the term racist. Absolutely. But it is not reckless to say that what the president is doing is racist. In my opinion, I think that that there are reckless uses of the term racist or that is racist or you are racist. But I don't think that declaring many of the things that the president has said and done as being racist is reckless or is, is painting with a broad brush. I think that the things he's saying and doing are racist. And so I, that's where I think people scoffed and said, this is not a witch hunt because this is not some made up accusation and we're going to put him in, in the pond to see if he floats or drowns. Like 
this guy has shown us who he is. We are just calling out who he is. Now, if someone had come to the lectern and said, Ed and Tarek, because you vote against this, that automatically means you're racist. Then that's a little bit more. That's already occurring. Well, that's more. Literally proving my exact point. That's more. But I'm giving white supremacists air cover for a generation. Is that not inadvertently saying I am a racist? Which, by the way, others saying your white privilege is showing. Do people not realize the name Tarek Bakari isn't a traditional white South Park name? They don't realize that the white privilege they're talking about is something that I've never had the benefit of. Ever. No, because it doesn't fit their narrative. Once again, everything has to fit their political narrative or they don't want to hear that free speech. But that's it's to hypocritical. Be fair, to be it's a fair, bunch that's of hypocrites. Not, that's and I don't have what, time for it. That's not what, what Councilmember Harlow's resolution was about. It wasn't he didn't in the resolution. No, he say, said he wants to condemn all racist and hate and bigot and xenophobic speech. Well, get to work doing it. If the, if you if you think the voters of this city put us here to do that work, well, you better get to work because there's a lot more work to be done identifying all that that's out there. Well, again, I if if the resolution had said all Republicans are racists, then that's that's a little more complicated. That's essentially what those freaking speakers that stood up there tonight said. That's essentially what they were they were claiming. The GOP is no longer anything but a haven for white supremacists, and every and everyone's a white supremacist and a racist that's there. I don't think anybody go said back and every, listen to the tape. I will. I will go back and listen to it. I don't think anyone said that every member of the Republican Party is a white supremacist and a racist. Listen to the Jabril dude. If you, I if will. you need to, to hear but clearly I, but I, what, what was stated there. I think it's, what he so said. so hypocritical. What, well, he said it's not the party of Lincoln, Reagan, or Bush or Bush. And I think at this point in time, that's a fair statement. And again, this podcast isn't about national politics. But and, but our colleagues have now made it about well, it. And I mean, that's my point. So, it, you know. I don't come looking for these fights. And I certainly don't relish having to waste my time doing them. But just know that I stand up in defense of this dissenting minority voice that simply is not heard anymore in this town and is not welcome, to be honest. People don't want to, they don't welcome, in a lot of cases, the ones we're hearing from, the small minority all the time, they don't welcome um, um, free speech unless it fits their narrative. And I'm just, I'm tired of that. I'm sorry. I'm not going to stand by and no matter how much I get impacted by it personally, I have a duty to stand up and give the dissenting opinion on that. So it, it passed nine to, um, along party lines. And, um, you know, I think, I think you and Ed were right to lead with distancing yourself from the comments that the president made and has made, um, and the sentiment of them, um, you know, I don't, I don't think everyone kept saying, I hope this passes unanimously. Everybody at the dais knew that it wasn't going to pass. This was unanimously. a setup from the beginning. Um, to what end? I'm not sure, but it was a setup from the beginning, but, um, ridiculous, you know, it was, it was, and I said in my comments, I said, you know, should more of us 18 months ago have maybe stopped and, and given more consideration to uh the big decision we were making and telling vi to go forward in pursuing this convention maybe so as it was luana mayfield was the one person who did oh, that we've already made the washington post <laughs> um well I, I doubt the president reads washington post i doubt he reads um oh, man. but luana mayfield was, was the one person who um 
who, who voiced that concern in January of 2018, which was the time when we could have easily said, you know what, let's not. Um, so, you know, if we had a time machine, maybe do things differently. But the fact is we, we are where we are. And, and even by July of last year, uh, the damage it would have done to our city to change course would have been great. Now it's, it's unfathomable. Um, the attorney made that clear. Even some of the strongest dissenters understood that and agreed, but they, they felt it was important. And, uh, that we, that we say, this is, these are things that we deem unacceptable in our city. Now, whether that gets the attention of the president or his circle, um, or national Republican leadership is yet to be seen. Um, you know, time will tell. Mm. But that was uh, that was the bulk of that was the bulk of the meeting. Other than then, we had a bunch of uh, like engagement announcements and birthday announcements. I announced the uh, that that we welcomed a new family member into the Eggleston household, Salem Eggleston, eight year old miniature poodle who uh, we had to rescue from an elderly lady who had to give her up as she went into assisted living. Salem is settling in at the Eggleston home well, and. Uh, We'll have her on the pod sometime. She doesn't. She doesn't say much. She's been there eight days and has yet to make a noise, which is really unusual when you've had a dog who barks a lot. Um, that's my big news. Well, congratulations on that, man. You, you guys ever have a dog time. since you had kids? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't want to talk about it. Because <laughs> you're tired, or because it was a bad experience? Both. Oh. Well, no. I mean, we love the dog. Dog died. Oh. You need to get another dog, man. No. The kids would love a dog. Not going to ever have another. And dog. they'll do all the. They'll walk it, right? Yeah, sure. You won't end up having to do that stuff. It's just too, it's too, there's too much. There's enough heartbreak in this world than to have to go through that stuff anymore. I'm done with it. Better to have loved and lost a dog than to have never had a dog at all. Right. So I've done that. (laughs) All right. Well, we have four Mondays without a council meeting. We will figure out a time when there's something, uh, when maybe we can, you know, there'll probably be some things we'll be out and about at some of these campaign events candidate forums maybe we can do a couple of little bits and pieces uh interviewing some of the other candidates for office and um there's a, about a baker's dozen uh school board candidates maybe we get a couple of them on sure and we can splice together some interviews make an episode or come in mid midstream during our summer break and uh catch people up on whatever else has been going on but um that'll be our last meeting until the final monday of august and then you know we have three meetings between that and the primary, which I'm sure will involve a lot of speeches. And then our primary is on Tuesday, September 10th. So it is right around the corner. And, uh, anywho, that's all I got, man. I have got two people who have left things down in the council chamber. I have to go check for. So, uh, that's a good excuse to wrap up the episode unless you got something else. No, I am completely done. All right. Well, uh, episode 72 for listening. Hopefully we'll forget this one. We don't know when episode 73 will be, but it will not be, uh, a month from now. We'll do something before then. And, uh, we'll look forward to talking to you then later.